Welcome back to the OPEX podcast where fitness is explained. I am your host, Robbie Burke, and I'm joined on today's show by Sharon Preet. Sharon is the head of the consultation module on the CCP Level 1 course. And on this episode, we discuss Sharon's background, Sharon's influences, how Sharon got involved with OPEX. We discuss the importance of consultation within the coaching process. I asked Sharon about the biggest lessons she has learned so far in her career. And finally, I asked Sharon the big question. If she could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would she invite and why? Guys, this was a great episode with Sharon. I know you're going to love it. Stay with us. Okay, Sharon, we are recording. Thank you so much for making time. Um, just for the viewers and the listeners, myself and Sharon went back and forth with loads of emails because we were screwing up our time zones. Sorry, I was, I was screwing up the time zones. You, you, are, you are actually being very patient. So thanks so much for making time. No worries. For, uh, for the viewers and the listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, just fill us in on the background. Oh, well, who am I? I am the instructor of the CCP uh, consulting portion of our CCP program. Uh, I've been with OPEX for a long time, teaching since 2011 wow. now, and uh, but been around the OPEX scene since 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. So kind of a, a OG OPEX person. <laughs> so you, were, you were back when it was OPT at the time? Back in the OPT days, in the original compound in Calgary, yes. Wow, wow. So, yep. well, currently, what's your role now? Because I know you're not only with OPEX, you, you have your own sort of uh, business or you're part of a business firm up in Calgary. So, what, what's, uh, what's the story there? Well, the story there is that, you know, originally I got involved with OPEX as, or OPT back in the day as a client. So, I was a client of an OPT coach and then with James. And James released the CCP program. Um, prior to that, I was uh, a software engineer and I had just had uh, a string of kids. I had four kids in six years. So I did AMRAP four kids in six years. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, nailed it. Um, and, and I was just thinking about going back to work and I had coached gymnastics, um, sort of for 10 years as a teenager and through my university days. And I loved coaching. And I didn't love software engineering. I did not love like sitting in a computer coding and, and that sort of thing. And I, I, I just made the decision. I wanted to do something I loved. Mm. And so I was kind of waffling on what that was. I hadn't found it yet. Hadn't found it yet. I had been seriously thinking about going back into um, gymnastics coaching. And then James released his CCP program. So he released that. I is immediately signed up. Like it was a no brainer. I was like, boom, there it is. And the thing that got me the most about that program was the consulting piece, which at the time it was called lifestyle coaching. Um, and it seemed very behavior based. And I was taking behavior courses uh, through the Demartini Institute in Houston, Texas, just kind of for fun, just because I'm nerdy and I like to keep my brain alive. Um, and so it just seemed like such a good combination, that behavior piece coaching, which I love doing. So signed up for the courses, did the whole CCP, finished my case studies, officially certified as a CCP coach. And then I had the opportunity in Calgary, um, a president of an oil company approached me. She knew what I was doing in terms of the CCP stuff. And I was, I was working at a gym helping people. And she said, you know, I, I would love to have some kind of corporate wellness program. Um, would you be interested in helping me build that? And I said, I will do the whole thing. 
And so I took the CCP model, which everything from business systems, as it was called at the time, um, through assessment, nutrition, the now consulting, and of course the program design, and I use those as my pillars inside the corporate wellness program. So that's what I do in Calgary, is I, I literally day in and day out with clients do the exact same thing that coaches do it, I just do it on the 34th floor of a high-rise building um, in our corporate wellness facility. Awesome. That is awesome. So a question I love to ask every guest and every human that I get a chance to interact with or lucky enough to interact with is about their influences. So who would you say have been your biggest influences on you, not only professionally, but personally? That's a great question. Um, I, have a, I have a few that pop into my mind. So can I say a few? Does it have to be oh, one? Oh, no, no. It can be as many, many as you want. Okay. Um, well, I would say that um, my biggest influences, of course, were my parents. And they, they did it in a bit of a backwards kind of way. My dad was often sick. And so as a, as a young kid, I watched him and then I would watch other people. And I would think to myself, I'm like, does it have to be this way? Like, do you, like, do you have to be this sick all the time? And so just watching, watching him and then watching my mom, you know, deal with that and that sort of thing. And then watching him run through the medical system, um, you know, doctor after doctor, prescription after prescription. I just, I just thought to myself, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Like, it's just, it just can't be like this. Like, why him and why not all these other people? And so I kind of see my dad as the kind of guy, like, looking up to doctors, got stuck in that, that grind of prescription side effect, prescription side effect, mm-hmm. prescription side effect, and, and so on that cycle goes. And, you know, not to say anything terrible about doctors in acute medicine, they can be obviously fantastic and save lives. And sometimes I think that when we treat our symptoms and we don't treat root causes, you know, it, it can create more problems for people. So watching my dad go through that cycle of ill health um, and go through a system that never really could help him to this day, um, still buying into that system to a certain degree, that was a massive influence on me. So mm. I always wanted to live that healthy lifestyle, I was very cognizant of my body and the symptoms it was giving me and then, you know, searching out natural ways through nutrition, good healthy lifestyle, sleep and that sort of thing to um, create a better foundation for myself. So massive influence there. I would say on the behavior standpoint, there's two major influences I have. One is uh, Dr. John Demartini. Um, He has been an eye opener for me in terms of like just looking at massive perspectives. So there's like, everyone likes to talk about the 50,000 foot view, but he he is like a beyond stratospheric view of of the world and human dynamics and behavior and that sort of thing. So of course he was a big influence. And then Ken Wilber is another one. Um, Ken Wilber is, uh, he's on the list of top spiritual leaders, Mm -hmm. but he's also an insanely good behavioralist, arguably probably one of the best in terms of being able to see why people do what they do and where they fit in terms of their development. Because people develop just like we develop um, our bodies through exercise, our behavior develops. And so he's been a huge influence in that. And then, of course, uh, Jimmy Fitz, James Fitzgerald. He has been a massive influence on me in terms of empowering my body, health and wellness. And then, of course, a mentor as I, I took the knowledge that I had and then you know brought it to CCP, had helped me develop my 
teaching style and, and working with coaches and that sort of thing. And he's been a huge influence as well. It's gas. You call him Jimmy Fitz. I call him Fitzy. You call him Fitzy? Yeah, I yeah. call him Jimmy Fitz. I was like, if you lived in Ireland, you'd be, everyone call you Fitzy. Nobody call you Jimmy. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Is Martini still just sort of going around the world in his bow? Yeah, he, last I heard, he still does. I haven't been, um, haven't worked with him in probably like four years now, yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, but yeah, he's still, he still has his, but he rents it out. He's never there. He's too busy flying around the world um, teaching. <laughs> it's gas, it's gas. I heard him on the Mind Muscle Project uh, podcast with the two lads and he was, he was saying that. But he, I just go around the world in a boat. I was just like, what a bug. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a legend. Yeah, I, I, anytime I've heard him speak, I'm like, I like that guy. He just kind of just has a nice energy and vibe about him. He has a great energy, yeah. That's true. So, one other question. I actually thought you were going to mention this person because I just read it on the um, OPEX blog, mainly because I was jealous because every time James mentions his name, I'm like, I wish I'd met this guy. So Bernie. Oh, the Bernie. Yes. <laughs> Bernie, yeah. So tell me about Bernie because I know you did his higher, his higher order thinking course. I did. I did. I was lucky enough to be in, in the last group before yeah. he sadly passed away. Um, he was definitely an influence. I would say with him, he was such a short <laughs> influence. I guess I was thinking yeah. more in terms of like long-term yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Um, yeah, so so Bernie was the original instructor of the lifestyle um, coaching course. And he was the one that sort of brought to James and I the concept of frameworks. Mm -hmm. And some of those frameworks we still teach in the course. And um, I was in Bernie's first edition of that course, the lifestyle coaching, and I was sitting in it. And my journey with OPEX, OPEX has always just been this knowing, like I've always just known, like I, when I, that this one time I, I sat with James and I was like, we're going to work together. Like I just knew, um, I sat in Bernie's class and I was sitting there, it was 15 minutes into it. And I was like, I'm going to teach this class. I just knew like you could see the, your path laid out in front of you sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so um, Bernie was great because he challenged me and I'm a girl who likes a good challenge. And so, you know, sometimes you come in and you're cocky and you think, you know, a lot of things. You're masculine, Sharon. I'm masculine. I'm super masculine. Yeah. And so, and so I come into Bernie's class and I'm challenging him on these thoughts and he super put me in my place, which is one of the greatest things a really good mentor can do for you. Um, kind of like a mama lion just swats the baby. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. he did, he did that for me and I was so taken aback by it that I was like, ah, eh, this one's worth listening to for sure. Cause that's it was so humbling. That's exactly how I operate as well. And that's what fucking James is. was like when I met him for the first few times, we had some conversations and like, he could see, cause um, as I got to know James and, and he told me that Bernie had done the same thing to him. I was like, you fucking the same thing as in like, he challenged it. He's like, and what do you, yeah. and, and why do you want that? And, and I'm like, oh fuck. I haven't taught this. Oh, motherfucker. Yeah, they got me. He's, He's got, got me. In this. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm exactly like you in that. I'd say the majority of people would be like, oh, you know, fuck that guy. And they'd walk off. Yeah. Where, where I was yeah. like, I like this guy. Yeah, I'm coming back for more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> so the consultation um, module on CCP, you are the lead of. And I have to say, it is fantastic. Um, because uh, in, in their initial emails, just for the viewers and the listeners as well, this is the first time we've actually spoken, uh, myself and yeah. We've had some emails back and forth. And I guess uh, I'm 31 now and I'm single. Ladies. 
uh, I know I look stunningly, you know, younger than that, a, a, mid, a nice mid-20s. Yeah. It's, it's the sun and the tan I'm getting later. I was going to say it's the glow, the Irish glow. <laughs> it's the glow. But uh, over, like, the last few years of my uh, life, um, I have done a lot of study into human behavior. And some of the biggest influences on me, you mentioned yours, uh, guys like Jock Fresco, who passed away recently, he, he was the head of the Venus Project. A very interesting guy to study. Um, a guy called Joseph Shilton Pierce, actually, who passed away in 2016. Another huge influence. Wrote some phenomenal child development and spiritual development type mm. books. And uh, Bruce Lipton, um, so who wrote the biology, biology Belief. And I always say this with these three gentlemen, like what Lipton brought to my attention was epigenetics and how the environment is massive in shape in an organism. Yeah. And then the other two gentlemen were, were of a very similar ilk to Lipton. They might have used the same words, but they would have referenced epigenetics and how crucial the environment is in shape in an organism. And what I really started to appreciate from those three, um, those, uh, three gentlemen's work was that everyone, everything is the way they are for a reason, including yourself, of course. And you, know, yeah. you, you always talk about this, but the lenses people wear and the frameworks and all that. So that's why a lot of what you teach and the way you teach in the word and really resonated with me. Um, but when I learned that, it, it gave me the appreciation of, ha- of, of trying to establish more compassion, more empathy, more understanding, and always trying to step back. And as you talk about John Demartini, like, you know, he's, he even looks like these massive global pictures. Like, when it comes to human behavior, for me, like, it's about trying to step back and always ask why and realize that there's so much more to what's going on right now in this moment in time with this individual than what initially meets the eye. So again, what those gentlemen made me realize was just that everyone, everything is there for a reason. And once you come to an appreciation for that, you really just got to see everything through or, or try and see everything through a lens of compassion and empathy and understanding and discernment. But with consultation lifestyle, maybe give us an overview of what is involved in it, why it's important um, for a coach. Yeah, I mean... So many good reasons. And I love everything you just said, because it's all true. Um, so you're getting me all fired up about the behavior thing as I'm sitting here. Um, I know. I always say with people, when you know better, you can do better. And doing better is still a choice, of course. You know, some people know better and choose not to do better. But when you know better, you do better. And so when you know better about people and your clients and what makes them tick, you now have the opportunity to do better with them. Mm. Um, we're all human at the end of the day and all humans they everyone does what they do for a really 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 good reason you might not think it's a good reason but i guarantee for that person it's a really good reason and so like you said you know that that stepping back and having more understanding of why your clients do what you do um that allows you to step back in your coaching as well and you might think that you need to write a certain program for them but without a full understanding of what makes them tick you can never really un- you can never really write a-, a solid program for that person as a person because they might spend one hour in the gym, but 23 other hours are spent outside of the gym. And I think a lot of time in coaching, we just we just focus on like that little narrow view of like here's what's happening in the gym, and we write our programs in here. But they have a life, you know. They have thoughts, they have feelings, they have families, they have stresses, they have, you know, everything that we all have. And if you can write a program that encompasses those pieces, as a coach, um, you're, you're so much farther ahead than, than the industry as a whole, because the industry as a whole even mm-hmm. sees people like this and, and pigeons hole, pigeonholes them into ways of being, which is, I think, 
why people don't have long-term success with you know guiding people along the health and wellness spectrum or the athlete spectrum or whatever spectrum that person is on so in my course i basically teach people how to go from here to that that full spectrum understanding of what makes their clients tick and then more importantly how to write programs for how they tick because it's so easy to say well you know walk a mile in someone else's shoes but you have no idea what that's like like you know it's easier said than done um, but you know there's some there's some tools there's some awareness there's some understanding and there's some really good questions that you can ask people to further understand what makes them tick and when you have those in your toolkit as a coach at the end of the day you're gonna be get better results for your clients because you're gonna write programs that are in alignment with who they are that's a great answer and uh, you know in future episodes that we'll do hopefully we're definitely gonna touch into all those type of topics yeah <laughs> question, a question I want to put to you how important is it to know thyself first of all yeah I mean it's paramount it's paramount. Um, the other part of of it's one thing to be able to see a client see their big picture and objectify that um, but guess what you're still human too like we as coaches are not robots so we can live in a la-la world and say like, oh, well, once you understand what makes people tick, well, you'll never get mad and you'll always be fine with it. Well, that's not actually true. You're human. You have things that trigger you. You've got hot button things that, you know, are touch points for you that are going to trigger emotions, piss you off, challenge you, make you upset. Like when somebody's highest priorities and values, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future, when those get triggered, that's where anger and, and upset comes from. So and you're human, you're not exempt from that. All coaches are not exempt from that. So it's paramount to understand what those triggers are in you and what those pieces are so that you don't actually project those onto your clients, including not just things that upset you, but things that are really, really important to you yeah. as a person. It's so easy to think, well, I think this way and I like this, so that person must like that as well. Like You should do like, this because I believe yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't should someone. Don't was no. it you always say don't should on someone. It's crazy. Yeah, don't should on somebody. So yeah, we could have a good conversation about shooting. Oh, that's <laughs> brilliant. But uh, I know I mentioned Bruce Lipton as a huge influence in me. But that book, Biology Belief, well, the main the, the main three tenets in the book was that the universe really is a uh, is a quantum universe rather than a Newtonian one in, in terms of physics. That it's about epigenetics, not genetic determinism. And the third big thing was about the subconscious versus conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I suppose like, and that was my first initial introduction into like the subconscious versus conscious mind on that, like our subconscious mind basically is like running our lives at, a, at that subconscious level the majority of the time. And how we, even, how we perceive reality is generally through that subconscious mind lens. And, uh, and it's just, so when I'm trying to explain this to people, I'm, I'm always like, you know, people are the way for a reason and they're often oblivious to the reasons that they are the way that they are because these, oh. these belief systems they have are in their subconscious. And it's about bringing that subconscious to an awareness. Cause I remember a great saying from Paul Cech, he's got two great sayings about what it is to be a spiritual person. The first one was being spiritual is nothing more than being responsible for what you bring into creation moment to moment, which I think is a beautiful definition. Oh, that's a good but, one, yeah. but, but the other one he always talks about is, uh, another definition of being spiritual is being aware of your awareness, which I think is a really, really good, like almost oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. But just another thing I just want to touch on with the hot button thing, Paul Check also says something too. He's like, you know, when like somebody is just doing something 
and you and and you do have an appreciation for like everyone is the way they are for a reason and, and you know everyone was you know everyone's been um influenced by their environment but still something they do just annoys the bejesus out as we would say here and what paul check uh, brought to my attention was it, they're doing something that reflects something you don't like within yourself and it's driving you bananas so every time now it's really helped me that sort of thought mind or that mindset because when someone like is doing something i'm getting annoyed by it like within my own head i step back and go why does that annoy me like what is it what is it about me that that's that's making me feel like that which i thought was very interesting by paul because he was like usually it's our parents we feel that around the most and it's like is it is it like do i have that trait like you know so like sometimes i'll see someone a big procrastinator and they'll see like their dad or something procrastinating like on like not doing healthy things and you're just like but maybe it's because you procrastinate other parts of your life and it's just an insecurity that's falling up on you so i thought that was a really interesting take as well oh it absolutely is i i the the whole piece around traitology if you will like that so-and-so has this trait, so-and-so has that one. You are human. All humans have all human traits. Yeah. So you're, nobody's exempt. No one is, no one can say like, well, I am never mean. I've never been mean in my life. Only that person is mean. And yeah. when they, which is not true. We've all been mean yeah. to somebody at some point, or we've all been happy or we've all been sad. Like there's no one is exempt from any human trait because mm. you're in fact human. And so when you, when you see it in other people, whatever you see, dislike, resent, and hate the most in someone else is a trait that you've disowned in yourself. Yeah. You haven't owned it or whatever, but on the flip side, so that's the negative stuff. On the positive stuff, whatever you admire, um, enjoy, you know, put on a pedestal in someone else is also a trait you haven't owned inside mm. yourself. So we project both the good and the bad that we don't own in ourselves on other people. Yeah. And, and so... And just going off good and bad there, I mean, that's another conversation we'll probably have at one one stage because, you know, it's not even as black and white in that. Like, you know, people like like could say, oh, that's, as you like to say, good and bad. And it's like, well, the bad is actually being a good thing because it's bringing an awareness of something to you. So in the long yeah. run, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know if you ever are listened or influenced by Alan Watts. He'd be another huge influence on me in terms okay. of like- no, I haven't uh, listened to that one. Oh well, Alan Watts, you know? Oh my God! Oh. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's, he's he's he died many years ago, like in the seventies. But he's an old English philosopher. Like he's got hours of audio on YouTube, like his and his voice. Okay. But he was an individual that made me realize that like everything is because it's meant to be. So for instance, he has this famous lecture of like, stop trying to make everything good. So his whole thing was like, you cannot have good without bad. You can't have left without right. You can't have man without woman. You can't have day without nighttime. So he's yeah. like, do you not see like if everything was good? you wouldn't know what good was that would be anymore. It's like, if it was daytime yeah. all the time, you'd never know at nighttime. He's like, the universe works in contrast. We need contrast. He's like, try to have everything one way as in like, everything has to be good. He's like, it's trying to poke this finger with the same finger. He's like, I can't get to the tip of this finger. He's like, it's a fruitless yeah. endeavor. So he, he's just like, you wouldn't know Satan and sinners. And he's like, it's all a part of the process and it's necessary. So I always yeah. love that. And again, it goes back to like your own perceptions, like to you. And I mean, you teach this for a living, so you know as good as I do in that two individuals, same situation, two completely different perceptions of the situation. One person sees that as an obstacle, other person sees that as an opportunity. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, the and and that universal principle is that there's 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 opposing forces in everything. All you have to do that's what I love about sport and fitness is that it's it's so obvious in sport and fitness as well. You know, you can't have you can't you need you need rest and recovery as well as challenge and working like you need the support you need the challenge you need both um eccentric concentric 
um, you know, catabolic, anabolic, like there, there's opposing forces in everything. Um, and your body maintains homeostasis at all times. And one thing I've kind of adopted or created as a philosophy for myself, there's behavioral homeostasis as well. Mm. And so you have, you'll have, let's say, quote unquote, positive thoughts, you'll have quote unquote, negative thoughts. And both of them are there to balance your psychology as well. So one's not necessarily good and one's not necessarily bad. They just, you know, it makes you sound very Buddhist, but it just is, you know, <laughs> it just is. But really they're there to help balance and create homeostasis in your behavior and your psychology. And I could go down a deep old rabbit hole on that one. Oh, we will. We will. And just as you mentioned, like uh, Buddhism there. So Alan Watts, he, he would have been very, so the philosopher just spoke, but he, he would be very famous for being an individual who brought a lot of the Eastern philosophies to the West. So. Mm. He, he studied all religions and he'd often give lectures like so one of his lectures might be on Hinduism the next lecture is on Buddhism even though Buddhism isn't a religion I know it's the way like people all say that but like he'd, he'd and you know he'd even talk about like the Quran and, and the Old Testament the New Testament he like mm-hmm. he brings it all together he's I think you'd really really love him to be honest. I see that one that's on YouTube and he has this like really haunting voice and there's this YouTube video of like beautiful scenes and he's giving like a, a, you- a lecture yeah, it's a but there's there's hours and hours of lectures. Hours, okay. One of his fa- one of his most famous ones that goes around or does the rounds every now and again is like, if money wasn't an object, what would you do? And it's it's just like he's booming. Like, oh, okay, he's got a really beautiful English voice, like you know. Yeah. Whereas like, if you try and listen to like Terence McKenna for too long, it's like I know Terence, I, like I know he's yeah. got a lot of great stuff. Your voice just it, it, it after a while doesn't resonate. Whereas like I could just lie yeah. and listen to Alan Watts like all day long. He's amazing. You just float on a cloud listening to Alan Watts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah. Okay, uh, finish it with some uh, quick fire round questions. So, okay. um, your biggest lessons, your or your biggest. I used to often say like the biggest mistakes you've made and lessons you've learned, but like again, are there really mistakes if 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 there were such learning uh, moments in our life? So what what would you say have been the biggest things you learned so far in your life or your professional career? Well, holy shit, that's a big one. Um, how, how, long, how long have we got? She just takes out a list. Start. Um, I, I'm going to give you one. The biggest lesson I have learned is is that homeostasis piece that there is an inherent balance in the universe that operates at all time and when you learn to see it, when you can see it and have the capacity to see it, it is game changing. It changes the way you do everything. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, your top resource to everyone watching this, and, and with this question, it can be anything. It could be a book, it could be 40 books, it could be a video, it could be a website, it could be a podcast, it could be an individual, it could be a course. Like what, what, would, you, what would be your top resource to individuals? Uh, two individuals or that I use myself? Both. You can say what you think is for yourself and then what, what would you give to the world? Like to say to someone, you know, I think everyone should do this or watch this or go to this or meet oh. this person or listen to this. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've been on a Jordan Peterson kick as of late. <laughs> you and everyone. He's everywhere. Yeah. At yeah and I, I've been on him for a couple of years, like before it, he exploded. And what I like about his stuff is that, is that he doesn't dismiss anything. Mm. And, and one thing that Ken Wilber says is that nobody is smart enough to be 100% wrong. So if you think about that, no one, you know, like we all want to make people wrong based on our filters. Well, that person's wrong or they said this wrong that way. If you really understand how people develop in their thinking, you know, you might be here listening to someone. So this goes back to your perception piece. Somebody else might be saying it at this level 
Um, and you're going to make them wrong because you're sitting here. But for where they're sitting in their development, they might be 100% right. Mm. Um, so no one's smart enough to be 100% wrong. And Jordan Peterson actually doesn't dismiss anything. He doesn't dismiss even the value of religious stories, for example, um, because he knows that that's a tool to teach somebody at a certain developmental level yeah. where they're going to understand it and resonate it. So he's a, he's a brilliant teacher and storyteller. Um, and his behavior components are spot on. You know, it's so funny you say that because I've heard that mentioned before that if you're here, don't try and learn from someone that's there because it, it's just, it's not going to compute. Like try and always kind of yeah, be yeah. just to be, and then you work your way towards that. And then just on yeah. the, on the no, no one's hundred percent wrong. You know, like evidence base has become so big and there, and listen, evidence base, it's like going back to yeah. our, our, our universal uh, principles, you know, objective, subjective, but you get all these, like, you know, the, the really evidence based objective people, you know, and, and like, you know, really like Newtonian physics people. It's like, yes, yeah. but now we realize that if we go beyond the atom into the subatomical realm, we're back to uncertainty and probability. You're to, yeah, so, you've hit your limit. <laughs> you've hit yeah, your scientific yeah. limit because science hasn't caught up to science yet. Oh, you know, we, we, yeah, we don't have the tools and whatnot to, to measure that sort of stuff. So science always limits itself until it catches up with itself. Life advice. Your, if you had to leave one piece of life advice behind, say it was to your kids now, what would you say to them? Ooh, what would I say to my kids? Be who you are. That's it. <laughs> Just be who you are. Um, don't be anyone else's version of who they think you should be. Just be you always. And clean up your room. God damn it. And I said that to my son this morning because I walked in there and I was like, come on. Was he playing, was he playing Minecraft? <laughs> he was asleep, but I know he was playing Minecraft last night. Yeah. <laughs> it was the yeah. same one, same it's one a, in the video. That's an inside joke. You got to be on CCP to get that one. Yeah. Um, and the yacht. Did you get your yacht yet? No, still, still not interested. I did find out there is, in fact, a Yachting Life magazine, which I had no idea. I was at an airport and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I should actually buy a copy and show people like, look at I'm taking steps towards my yacht. It's also an inside CCP joke. Slowly becoming a priority. <laughs> yeah, no, um, not, not even. So it's didn't even buy it. Yeah, Reese, yeah, I hope you didn't waste. Get out of that yacht magazine. There's probably people, I'm after a, I don't think we have any yacht viewers anyway. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's your uh, life advice and resources. What in your current and top book recommendations? So what are you currently reading? And then what book would you give away as a gift to everyone? That's a good question. I would give away... Uh, Peterson's 12 rules for life. Wow. He's, he's really having an influence on you. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Cause I just, I actually just read that book a month ago. So I it's guess. Kind of top of mind awareness. I think. So it's top of mind awareness for sure. Um, ooh, um, my current read right now. What did I just pick up? Oh, actually not right here, but I don't know that I would recommend this to, to a lot of people, but the five dysfunctions of team. Mike Boyle loves that book. Yeah. Um, anyways, cause I'm doing a ton of culture work mm. right now in, in building out uh, culture. So basically on the corporate wellness side, the president of the company wants, she wants wellness uh, and fitness to be just a, it's, it's a no brainer in mm. this company. Yeah. And so part of that comes down to leadership and we're, there's some fracturing in the leadership um, different levels of leadership between levels. So, um, that's why I'm on that book right now. 
great stuff great stuff yeah. I'm, I'm actually reading a bit about culture too at the moment because a book i'm reading it's actually called the Governing dynamics of coaching and like the actual first part of the whole book is like you need to set culture and then uh, the, the author jane smith says like it starts with you you gotta live the culture yeah. like so yeah kind of going back to, to gandhi's be the change you want to see within the world yeah, okay last, last two these i love these questions so for whatever reason you've only got one year left on earth uh, I used to say to people you've only got one year left to live but like now I say listen you've just got one year left and maybe we're going to Mars who knows we don't know we don't know, <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Elon Musk figures it out in the next, in the next year but you've, right. only got, you've only got one year left on earth how would you spend that year oh that is a great question I would um, I would travel a lot I love traveling um, I would um, teach what's in my brain because I don't I don't ever feel I'm going to let's say I'm leaving earth, whether I'm leaving my body or taking my body with me, but I, d I don't ever feel like you should die with the stuff inside of you. Mm. Um, so I've made through a number of mentors have made some really great connective pieces. Um, there's a book I'm working on right now, but it's still inside me and partially on my laptop, but I would just spew that out like a mother <laughs> just to get it out of me. Yeah. Um, and I would spend time with my kids. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Okay, I'm over in Calgary, and uh, for whatever reason, I've managed to track you down for dinner. You couldn't get okay. out. You're like, oh, shit, he's in town. I don't know I'm here. He knows where you're at. He's found me. So uh, we're going to go. I invite you to dinner, and I, uh, I tell you, listen, don't be freaked out. And you're like, uh, you, I, you're pretty weird, and I'm kind of used to you already. Uh, but I've got magic powers, I say to you. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I can bring people back from the dead. You're like, right, we're definitely not going to do it. No, no, hear me out, Sharon. Hear me out, hear me out. I can bring people back from the dead. i got some strong spending spells. Oh, wait, joking. But the question is, if you could invite five people to this dinner, dead or alive, who would you bring to the dinner and why? Oh, good question. Five. Yeah, five. five. Um, I would bring my grandma, <laughs> who yeah. passed away when I was 10. Um, because I have a, when someone dies, when you're young, you have a sense of who they are, mm. but you have a childlike sense, like kids work on feeling, right? So I have this feeling of like this love that she was, but I would love as an adult to pick her brain and, and say, you know, what's, what's up? <laughs> like, or why, why was my dad the way he is? Or, you know, what was life like at this point in time? And she left some memoirs. Uh, that she wrote and some of them uh, she tells the story of when her husband dies and it actually makes me cry when I read it every single time mm -hmm. because it was just so much much feeling and I would um, I would just love to have that conversation with her of how she overcame um, such a tragedy because um, whatever was built into her I know has been passed down to me and it would be really cool to get an understanding of those behaviors that were passed down to me um, and kind of just have a conversation about them. So my grandma for sure. Um, who else would I invite? I would, um, I would invite Bill Gates actually, um, mm. because I think he's in, obviously insanely brilliant, um, nerd of all nerds, uh, which I appreciate. Um, as a software engineer in my former life and just like I would love to learn from his brain about how he, you know, conceptualized all of these pieces, which I know, you know, some were borrowed, stolen, <laughs> that sort of thing from other companies. But um, 
just to get an understanding of his baseline vision when it all started coming to him and the fact that he's a philanthropist now um, and is, is making a dent with what he created, I think is really cool. Um, what else would I invite? Um, oh, I would invite Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> really? I would because uh, I think that she has had an absolutely fascinating life, not of her own choosing, but as someone who has chosen to make the absolute best of it, like to do her service um, all in. She just went all in on it. She's obviously gone all in on it. Mm -hmm. And she has met, I think, some of the world's most fascinating people. And I would love to know if all of it was surface or if they've ever had any deep discussions or if she's kind of kept it all surface level. Um, so because she's been connected to so many people around the world and is the most, I think, visibly recognizable woman in the world um, as well. So I think that'd be fascinating. Um, I would, uh, there's like one nasty little part of me that wants to say, well, Princess Diana, because that'd be super awkward with the queen yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Diana. Um, but I don't actually mean that. <laughs> That's just me fucking with the system. Um, what am I at? Just, at you could just see that, couldn't you? She just walks down, yeah. like the queen's there, and then she just walks, swans in, sits down, and just looks at her. Hell yeah, you old bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And me just sitting there going. I put this together. I did this. Yeah. It was me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're not, you're not leaving this table till you kiss and make up. Well, they don't have to kiss, but make up. Yeah, exactly. Let's just, come on. Um, two more people. I need two more people at this dinner. I, you know who else I would actually have there? Um, fuck, this is going to sound contrived and I don't mean it to sound contrived, but I would actually, um, I'd have my best friend there, yeah. my best friend, Leanne, who is actually James's wife. Um, but because, um, her and I think so alike and she challenges me in my thinking and I, I challenge her. She's one of my favorite people to be around. Mm -hmm. So I got very selfish there for a second. I was like, who do I want to spend my time with? Um, and that is someone I want to spend my time with. And then lastly, maybe, oh, I don't, this one is maybe because it's top of mind because I'm listening to one of his audiobooks right now, but Tony Robbins, and you mentioned him earlier, so I think you may have planted a seed, but Leanne and I actually incidentally went to uh, Tony Robbins' seminar together in LA last year. Which was and that they, they, Destiny? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, that's the five-day one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to that in LA, and um, and I know Leanne's a big follower of his, and so it actually might be interesting, because I'm, I'm audiobooking his money book right now. Um, I, and read so, that, I read that last year. It's very good. Yeah, it is quite good, and what I find interesting is, like, so people like Tony and the Queen and that sort of thing is, yes, you could invite all the different people and have those connections, or you could connect with like the person who's connected with all of those people, because there's a lot more built into that person than, you know, dispersed amongst the many. So because he is such a connector and he gets the behavior thing, like his, his documentary, the way he cuts through. And I understand, I talked to somebody who was one of the filmmakers on there and they said, well, that segment that looks like it's five minutes actually took him an hour and a half mm -hmm. <laughs> to break through somebody on that. But um, yeah, I, his behavior stuff is actually, he doesn't get enough credit for it, but it's actually pretty clean 
Yeah, that's uh, his documentary is very good. I'm not your guru, is it? Uh, did you have yes. you seen the the Queen Elizabeth series on Netflix? Is that on Netflix? Of course, I have. Yeah, I, was thinking, I, have I, was, yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking you had it. I was thinking you had it. Well, you know, I find that I find that series so fascinating because it really gives you insight into what life must be like for that person that we've all seen our entire lives, and and people judge her like crazy. Oh yeah without having any clue and concept of what it must be like on the other side of that castle wall. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that series has actually done a really good job on the behavior piece as well. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, we're, we're just on time here. 45 minutes away. Okay. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I, I won't go any further because I, I, there is a question I want, but I'll save it for the next day. But uh, is there any okay. other, any other parting words or is there anything that I didn't ask that you would have liked me to have asked? Um, I think that you and I are going to have a number of conversations in the future because <laughs> we think the same way. And so I, I think whatever, whatever I might be thinking that you didn't ask or, um, yeah. the question you have on the back burner, I think that'll be our next chat. <laughs> All right. So guys, an absolutely whopper. So for the U S listeners, whopper in Ireland means really, really, <laughs> really good. Like it was like, we, we, we have this, it's so funny. We have another word we say deadly, like, Oh, that was deadly. Yeah. And, and yeah. any, any of my American friends go, so is, is that good or, or bad? Because like deadly's like <laughs> bad here. And we're like, oh no, deadly yeah. means like great. You uh, know what? Deadly meant good in the 80s. <laughs> like in the 80s there, like, deadly. there you go. Yeah, I'll take so, it. For viewers and listeners, thanks so much for downloading this or watching this. And as I say at every show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you listen to. But from me, Robbie Burke and OPEX Podcast, where the, the fitness as you see is explained. And from Sharon, you can say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. She did a little wave there for the... I did a little wave. It's like a queen wave. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you there, guys. Peace. <laughs>